Well, the following proclamation was made by Governor Bradford in 1623, three years after the pilgrims settled at Plymouth. To all ye pilgrims, inasmuch as the Great Father has given us this year an abundant harvest of Indian corn, wheat, peas, squashes, and garden vegetables, and has made the forests to abound with game and the sea with fish and clams, Clams. Where's Susan? She's gone. <laughs> and inasmuch as he has protected us from the raids of the savages, has spared us from pestilence and disease, has granted us freedom to worship God according to the dictates of our own conscience, now I, your magistrate, do proclaim that all ye pilgrims with your wives and ye little ones do gather at ye meeting house on ye hill between the hours of 9 and 12 in the daytime on Thursday, November ye, November ye, nine, ye 20, they have these yees in there, Thursday, November ye 29th of the year of our Lord, 1623, and the third year since ye pilgrims landed on ye Pil Plymouth Rock, there to listen to ye pastor and render thanksgiving to ye almighty God for all his blessings. Wow. What a proclamation. Yee. <laughs> well, this Thursday is Thanksgiving, the time when family comes over, food is cooked and served, and afterwards belts are loosened while reclining on the couch, resulting in a deep uh, tryptophan sleep, <laughs> kind of in a little turkey coma. <laughs> and just like those early pilgrims, Thanksgiving is one day when we set aside time in our busy schedules to give thanks to God. Now, there's, there's nothing wrong with that, but the Word of God tells us that this should be a continual daily attitude. And Ephesians chapter 5, verses 19 and 20, tells Christians to speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18, it says, be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, Paul's main subject here is praise and thanksgiving. And, and notice the other important words in these passages. It's always, continually, and in all circumstances. And it sounds as if Paul is talking about a church service here, especially in Ephesians, it says, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, and sing and make music in your heart. But he isn't. He is talking about a continual attitude for Christians, an attitude of the heart, how we are to be to each other. And you might ask, how can we have this attitude continually, especially in all circumstances? Do you remember these last few years? Come on, Pastor. I was... a uh, I was on the, well, I was on the roof, but I still got down from the roof, but I was on the roof taking care of some things, cleaning out the gutters, cleaning up things so we can put up our Christmas lights already. We didn't turn them on yet, okay? We're not going to turn them on yet. But we got them up because it's dry days, and I didn't want to be up there on a wet day doing all that fun stuff. Anyway, as I was up there, I noticed there was moss on the roof and a bunch of different sections, and I thought, oh, boy, that needs to get taken care of. And I know you can't scrape stuff and everything else because you'll ruin your roof and, and all, but as I looked, one area had more moss than the other. It was like one side of the house than the other side, and uh, I noticed it wasn't very bad on the road side, on the east side, and, and I thought, well, that's good. 
I came around with a ladder then to go over to the front of the house, the east side of the house, to check the gutters. I got up on the ladder, and as I looked, I got a different perspective. My perspective, first of all, was from straight on, and I could see straight on and see the moss in different areas. It didn't look bad. But then when I got the perspective of looking at the roof and straight up like this, Oh, a different story. <laughs> you could see the moss just layered right along the edge. and it, it wasn't horrible, but it looked bad from that perspective. In a perspective, we got to get different perspectives sometimes when we're looking at, at things and looking at life as well, too. And I believe the answer to a question of how could we have a continual attitude of, of thanksgiving in all circumstances, I believe the answer lies in our perspective of thanksgiving. We need a proper perspective. One lady, a young lady, wrote home from college. She said, Dear Mom, sorry I haven't written sooner. My arm really has been broken. I broke it and my left leg when I jumped from the second floor of my dormitory when we had the fire. We were lucky a young gas station attendant saw the blaze and called the fire department. They were there in minutes. I was in the hospital for a few days. Paul, that, that gas station attendant, he came to see me every day. And because it was taking so long to get our dormitory livable again, I moved in with him. He has been so nice. I must admit that I am pregnant. Paul and I plan to get married just as soon as he can get a divorce. I hope things are fine at home. I'm doing fine, and we'll write more when I get the chance. Love, your daughter, Susie. P.S. None of the above is true. But I did get the C in sociology, and I flunked chemistry. I just wanted you to receive the news in the proper perspective. <laughs> things aren't as bad as they seem, really. To be thankful in all circumstances, we need a proper perspective of our circumstances and of our God. Only then will we be able to give thanks to the Lord always. Now, there are th at least three attitudes that steal our gratitude, three things that keep us from being thankful. And one of them is pride. This is the attitude that says, nobody ever gave me anything. I worked hard for everything I did, and I have. And for years, you, you, you studied hard, and now it is finally paying off. You did it all on your own. With this kind of attitude, we feel that we have no one to thank but ourselves. Now, in the spirit of Jeff Foxworthy's, you might be a redneck. Let me share some indicators of being prideful. If you assume you already know something when someone is teaching you, you might be prideful. It's a moment when you immediately tune someone out who starts teaching you something that you may be somewhat familiar with. It's the assumption that you know everything about the subject being communicated and that this person can't teach you something new. If you see yourself as too good to perform certain tasks, you might be prideful. When someone asks you to do something and your, your immediate thought is, I shouldn't have to do this, that task is for someone else. Now, if Jesus was willing to leave heaven and come to earth for me, then who am I to say I'm too good to do what someone asked me to do? <laughs> if you are being too proud to ask for help, you might be prideful. There's something to be said for independence, 
but there are times in life when we must all admit that something is beyond our capacity and that we need help. If you talk about yourself a lot, you might be prideful. When we talk a lot about our accomplishments, our education, our title, our position, maybe also our financial status, it reveals that we haven't learned how to get our eyes off of ourselves and focus on the interests of others. If you disregard the advice of others, you might be prideful. You have all the answers to life, right? And you somehow don't need or see the value in other people's perspectives. You believe you can be successful and accomplish your goals without the counsel of others. We talked about that in Sunday school. It's good to have counsel of wise advisors. <laughs> if you are unable to receive constructive criticism, you might be prideful. We struggle to allow other people to speak into our lives and provide helpful feedback. We are, we are too blinded by our own pride to see the value in what someone is sharing with us and how it is and how it can help make us a better person. If you are unwilling to submit to authority, you might be prideful. When a person is unwilling to submit to authority at work, or here at church, or at home, or in any other relationship, it's because deep within the person they believe they could make better decisions than the person God has placed over them. So they submit outwardly, but inwardly, they struggle to accept the subordinate position they are in. <laughs> I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside still. If you ignore people's attempt to commu communicate with you, you might be prideful. When you consistently blow, off, uh, blow people off who text or email you, you are essentially minimizing the importance of this person and their communication and saying to yourself that they are not important enough to invest your precious time into. We all get busy, but acknowledging a person's attempt to connect sends the message of importance to the other person. If you justify your sin instead of admitting it, you might be prideful. When someone graciously points out a sin issue in your life and you get defensive and even start to justify it, you enter to the danger, into the danger zone there because if, if you're using Scripture, if they are using Scripture, then uh, you are essentially saying that you know better than God. <laughs> if any of these sound familiar to you, you might be prideful and in need of the Savior's help. Pride can get in the way of being thankful. Another attitude that keeps us from being thankful is a critical spirit or, or a constant complaining. Instead of being grateful, this person will always find something to complain about. A lady known as an incurable grumbler constantly complained about everything. At last, her preacher thought he had found something about which she would be happy. And for her, for her farm, farm crop was the finest for miles around. And when he met her, he said with a beaming smile, You must be very happy, Mary. Everyone is saying how healthy your potatoes are th uh, look this year. And she said, True. They're pretty good, but what am I going to do when I need bad ones to feed the pigs? Always something to complain about. Always something to complain about. A third attitude that keeps us from being grateful is carelessness. 
Someone once said that if the stars only came out once a year, we would stay out all night to watch them. But they are there every night, and when we have grown accustomed to them, we could almost care less. Solar eclipse doesn't happen a lot. We're out there, though, ready to watch it, ready to be there if we can, versus the starry night that's always out there. <laughs> Snow in the northwest doesn't happen a lot, but when it does, woo, and our whole city shuts down. <laughs> As opposed to snow in Alaska, when <laughs> they're like that, <laughs> this isn't new. Or maybe in Buffalo these days, <laughs> when they get <laughs> six feet of snow. The Israelites grumbled because they had no food. So God miraculously sent manna, that crust-like little bread, to cover the ground each day except the Sabbath day. Then they started to grumble because it was the same thing every day. They had a miracle straight from God every day, but were no longer satisfied because of pride, because of, of carelessness or a critical spirit. We will never be truly thankful for all that God has given us. Rudyard Kipling was a great writer and a poet whose writings we have all enjoyed. And unlike the many old writers, Kipling was one of the few who had opportunity to enjoy his success while he lived. He also made a great deal of money at his trade. One time, a newspaper reporter came up to him and said, Mr. Kipling, I just read that somebody calculated that the money you make from your writings amounts to over $100 a word. Mr. Kipling raised his eyebrows and said, really? I certainly wasn't aware of that. The reporter cynically reached down into his pocket and pulled out a $100 bill and gave it to Kipling and said, here's a $100 bill, Mr. Kipling. Now, you give me one of your $100 words. Mr. Kipling looked at that $100 bill for a moment, took it in, looked at it, folded it, put it in his pocket and said, thanks. $100 word. He's right. The word thanks is a certainly a $100 word. In fact, I would say it's more like a million-dollar word. It's one word that is too seldom heard, too rarely spoken, too often forgotten. If we would all adopt an attitude of thanksgiving into our lives, our lives would be changed. We would cherish each day. If any nation should be thankful for God or thankful to God and grateful for His goodness, should be America. If any people in America should be thankful to God and grateful for His goodness, it should be Christians. This morning, I'd like to share with you three things. We learn about thanksgiving from God's Word. Three things. First is this. Thanksgiving should be expressed. Thanksgiving should be expressed. One of the choruses we sing is found in Psalm 100, which says, Enter His gates with thanksgiving in your heart. And then David says in Psalm uh, 107, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. We should express our thanks to God and to others. In Luke chapter 17, we read about ten men who were healed by Jesus of their leprosy. Out of the, those ten men, only one came back to give thanks and Jesus said, where are the other nine? He was the only one willing to take time to go back and say thank you. Because of that, Jesus said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Have you ever wondered why Jesus said that? 
Just like the others, the man was already healed of his leprosy from the time they went to show themselves to the priest. But when Jesus says to this one man, your faith has made you well, I believe he wasn't just talking about a physical healing. He was talking about a spiritual one, mental one. He was whole. He was made whole. And we too are made whole by our thanksgiving. Psychologists today tell us that sincere gratitude and thanksgiving is the healthiest of all human emotions. Hans Selye, who is considered the father of stress studies, he did a lot of different studies, uh, uh, figure some things out of how the uh, human body can withstand stress. He has said this, Gratitude produces more positive emotional energy than any other attitude in life. And a thankful heart will endear others to us and us to others. Because Thanksgiving is not only good for the giver, but also good for the receiver. Both sides of it, you benefit. God appreciates our Thanksgiving. It lifts Him up. It glorifies Him. And Thanksgiving endears Him to us. It draws us closer. If we are not grateful, we do not express our thanksgiving, then it can have the opposite effect. In Romans chapter 1, verse 21, Paul says, For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Now this passage seems to imply that people who are ungrateful to God will soon fall away. Their hearts will become hardened. And here we see pride keeping people from worshiping God and being thankful. Before we leave this, this point here we're talking about thanksgiving should be expressed. Let me list a few ways that we can say thank you to God. Just kind of give you a little help. It'll be up on the screen. You can, you can say thank you to God when you spend time with Him, not just one hour a week. You can say thank you to God when you forgive others when you serve in His church, when you share His plan of salvation, when you reach out to hurting people, when you give God the best of your time, talent, and treasure, the, the three T's, when you praise Him enthusiastically from the heart. Our thanksgiving should be expressed. Also, our thanksgiving should be expansive. And as our thanksgiving expands, it should include at least three things. The blessings of life is one of them. You know, uh, <laughs> you know, I really love my wife back there right now, sitting in the back, and, and uh, she's a very special person. She's truly a blessing to me. And one thing that's really special is that each evening she stands in our kitchen, thanks God for a sink full of dirty dishes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this. No, she doesn't do that. <laughs> Who does? Who thanks the Lord for dirty dishes? Really? But maybe we should. Maybe we should. A sink full of dirty dishes usually means that we have been blessed by God with daily food <laughs> and water. Do you realize that two-thirds of the world goes to bed hungry every night? Our prayers are often very general, and we say, thank you, God, for all your blessings, but what blessings are we really thankful for? What are they? Count them. 
Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your blessings. See what God has done. Name them. Secondly, our expansive thanksgiving should also include the burdens of life. And this is a tough one. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances. And of course, in Ephesians chapter 5, it says, Always giving thanks. You may think Paul surely made a mistake, or even that this was easy for him to say, but it wasn't. And he also suffered from very difficult problems, and he called, a, called it a thorn in his flesh at one point. He also had been run out of town, he'd been beaten, whipped, imprisoned, betrayed by friends, naked, cold, hungry, shipwrecked, and stoned because of his faith. Yet Paul never stopped giving thanks. Paul said several things that really show we, that he had the proper perspective of the burdens of life. In Romans chapter 8, verse 18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10, that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecution, and in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So when we, like Paul, have the proper perspective, we too can give thanks in all circumstances. I came across a Facebook post of uh, one of uh, our friends, Becky and I, from uh, college days. <clears throat> her son, her adult son, uh, is going through some very difficult um, physical ailments right now, and he's back in the hospital in the ER. And then she posted this today, and I thought I'd share it with you in light of uh, having life's burdens as well, too, burdens of life need to be part of this uh, expansive Thanksgiving. She said, In this hard day, several good things happened that are worth reflecting on. A care package from my friend arrived before I headed over to the hospital. So Jake, her son, had something fun to open when I arrived. A warm blanket and socks, games and a book. The timing of this bit of practical love was perfect as he needed both the extra warmth and distraction today. The door screener recognized me from last week and told me she is praying for Jacob's complete recovery. When something happened that alarmed us, Jacob's nurse called the rapid response team. A very professional and kind man came to assess Jake. He took the time to answer all our questions and gave some easy-to-understand advice. Jacob's nurses were incredible today. Both day and night shifts went above and beyond to care for our boy. After he ordered a CT because of a, of a new symptom, Jacob's doctor called me to talk about the results. And when, he asked, when I asked him about a certain treatment option, he said he'd been considering it, so he worked, we worked together to come up with a plan for the next couple days. I felt listened to and included as a member of Jacob's care team. And finally, a sweet moment with my God. As I waited for Jacob to return from CT, I found myself again begging God to protect and heal my son. Then I remembered that he is faithful and loves Jacob even more than I do. My crisis prayer became one of gratitude because I know he's working in the background, and suddenly I felt his peace pour over my heart. Grateful to count my blessings as I go to sleep tonight. 
That's perspective. That's perspective in, in light of life's burdens. And I know there are many of you who've gone through some difficult times, very difficult times. We, we, are, we, we walk that road with you, and we want to encourage you as well, too. You're not alone. In our weakness, though, God can make us strong. When we are struggling, God is able to work in our lives. He helps us through times that we could have never faced on our own. We should learn to be thankful in the difficult circumstances that we face in our lives. And notice, I didn't say that we should be thankful for them, but that we should be thankful in them. And I think Paul is telling us the same thing. We should be thankful in our problems and not necessarily be thankful for our problems. And being thankful in them allows God to use those problems for His greater good. You remember the Philippian jailer and Paul and Silas? He was ready to take his life because an earthquake freed his prisoners, but what saved him was the attitude of Paul and Silas during their difficult imprisonment. They were singing praising God, even though they were in chains, but they knew God and that He would help them through. Because of their joy, the jailer and all his household eventually became Christians. We need to understand that others can come to Christ because of our example, especially in the middle of our difficult times. We are real during those times, and our faith becomes real in those times. And people are watching and seeing that what we say matches up with what we do. Thirdly, our expansive thanksgiving should include the benefits of life. When the Israelites focused on what they didn't have, they failed to see all that they did have. We are constantly adding to our prayer list, but more than anything, we should be adding to our praise list. God is doing so many wonderful things in our life. You truly do have a wonderful life, each one of you. Jeff Moore, a little blast from the past of Christian music back in the 90s, uh, he sang a song in which at the beginning of a new day, he says this, Well, I wonder what today we'll see. Will I find my dreams or stare in the face of tragedy? Whatever may come, whatever may be, of this I am sure I'm forgiven and free, and I will live like I believe. It's good to be alive. It's good to be alive. To feel the wind in my face, see the blue in the sky. It's days like this I realize what a gift it is. It's good to be alive. We all have had some difficult times these past few years. (laughs) Maybe even times that we have despaired of life itself. But if we really look at all the benefits of life, I think we will find that it's good to be alive. To feel the wind in your face, to see the sunrise, to to fall in love, to see a newborn child for the first time, to to hold your newborn grandchild or great-grandchild for the first time, to feel our loved one hug us and tell us we are special. An experiment was done in New York's uh, Central Park where an advertising firm dressed a man up as a blind man and gave him a cup to collect money. One day they put a sign around his neck that read, I'm blind. On that day, he collected about $4. The next day, they dressed him the same way, placed him in the same place, but changed the sign to read, 
it's spring and I'm blind. That day he collected nearly $40. That day those people realized how blessed they were by the beautiful flowers, the birds, and the sunrise and the sunset. As Christians, there are other benefits of life. We can be sure that we are forgiven and free. It's good to be alive. Not only should our thanksgiving be expressed and expanded, but also we learn that our thanksgiving is expected. Our thanksgiving is expected. Paul says we are to give thanks in all circumstances because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This is God's will for us, and He knows if we, we will do it, that our lives will be changed. See, thanksgiving is a mark of a growing Christian. For example, a baby is ungrateful. <laughs> you can take a little baby when it has colic and walk the floor with them for hours, and when you put that baby down, they don't say, well, thank you, that helped quite a bit. More than likely, they will just yell a little louder. <laughs> My need hasn't been met. Guess again. <laughs> a child has to be taught to be thankful. You've done that as a parent. Now, something happens, they get something from someone, and then what do you say? You, you, you say, what do you say, Johnny? What do you say? Thank you. You teach them. You help them learn. When we realize how blessed we are by others and by God and express that in gratefulness, we are growing our thanksgiving is also the mark of a giving Christian. When we realize how much God has done for us and how much He continues to do, we should be more than happy to give something back to Him. This comes through our time and our talents and treasure, the three T's you need to remember. Someone has said that for thanksgiving to be real thanksgiving, there must be thanks and there must be giving. In the past couple of years, we have seen some difficult times here at Happy Valley, but God has provided all along the way. With the loss of Mark Durkup and other loved ones that we've seen go, go on to heaven, with church families moving on during the pandemic, with the temperament of the culture around us, God has still provided through the difficult times. God has blessed us with people who are willing to step up and help in ministry. God has blessed us with people who have found Happy Valley uh, as their new church family. God has blessed us with leadership who have prayerfully developed options for our church to move forward. And I'm going to be sharing those with you next Sunday during the congregational meeting. And just as God has blessed us, we should bless His work by our giving. James chapter 1, verse 17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift... Do you have any good gifts? <laughs> Do you have any good gifts in your life? Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. So when, when we go to a restaurant, we're more than happy to give a good waitress at least a 15% tip, maybe 20%, I don't know. But for some reason, we might have a problem with giving God 10% of all, all the good gifts He has given us. In those cases, we need to ask ourselves if we are truly thankful. Remember, God loves a cheerful giver. So thanksgiving is a mark of a growing Christian, a giving Christian, and a glowing Christian. If you are thankful to God, then you will be glowing. You will stand out 
among the rest. You won't be constantly critical, pessimistic, but eternally thankful. Though the difficult times are just that, they will not break you. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Henry Frost served for many years as a missionary in China. In his journal, he wrote of, uh, of a very difficult time in his life. He says, I had received sad news from home, and deep shadows had covered my soul. I prayed, but the darkness did not vanish. I summoned myself to endure, but the darkness only deepened. Then I went to an inland station and saw on the wall of the mission, uh, on the mission home, these words, Try Thanksgiving. Try Thanksgiving. I did, and in a moment, every shadow was gone not to return. The psalmist was right. It's a good, good thing to give thanks unto the Lord. Have you been going through some difficult times? Has life been just slapping you across the face and knocking you down? Have you prayed, but they're still there? Difficult times are going. Have you told yourself to keep on going, push through, and it would someday disappear, but instead it just got deeper? Why not try Thanksgiving? Begin there. What can you be thankful for? And as you look at that, I'm sure your view, your perspective, will become more clear of how God is working in your life and what God can do in your life through you, and for you. I'm going to have Annie come on up, and uh, she's going to bring Julie. Worship team is going to sing a couple songs here to help us remember how great God is and how good He is. And as, he do, as, as, as that happens and, and God impresses on your heart, Maybe there's an area in your life that your, your, thanksgiving, your thanksgiving monitor has gone low. <laughs> Maybe you need to ask God to fill it up, help you have the right perspective, the proper perspective on thanksgiving. And I believe that He will do so as we pray about it. As we sing these songs, if you need to come forward and pray, please do so. But respond to God in obedience, whatever, whatever He prompts you.